Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Welcome back to the Yak Sports Podcast, your Augusta County sports podcast, and we are here to talk about the sports that matter to you, the Augusta County sports fan. I'm Leela McRae. Joe Deck is with me, and since there is no nothing happening in our backyard, we'll just go ahead and jump to college football, kind of like we've been normally doing this year, and uh, talk about the Hokies. And uh, not a lot of positive there. The Hokies lost 23-16 to 16 at Wake Forest, and I mean, I kind of dwelled on UVA these last two weeks, kind of have embarrassing losses or losses that really weren't up to what that program was building up towards. And here's one for the Hokies this week. And uh, just uh, embarrassing is what I have written down. We just weren't good in any part of the game. Yeah. Um, Look, I think the frustrating part with this team when you've watched them play is, and we touched on this, and this was my concern with you last week, uh, was, you know, we were were beating our chest about beating a Boston College team that, for whatever reason, refused to attack Virginia Tech's weakness, which is the ground. If you attack the ground, we are not very good at stopping it. Uh, Wake Forest ran the ball 49 times for 206 yards. That's unacceptable. They only threw the ball 17 times. And that's that's like the first place you can see it on a field is enforcing the run game or stopping the run game. Mm -hmm. And we didn't do either. And we didn't play tough. And I think that's why people – we know Boston College is a tough team. So we thought we beat a tough team and we were tough doing it. And maybe our offensive line looked tough doing that. But that sure wasn't the case this week. Wake Forest looked tougher, meaner, more aggressive, and took advantage of every mistake we made. Yeah, we did a better job running the ball, but we made mistakes. No, we did okay because we have a a fabulous runner. We have a Heisman candidate type runner. We had 43 carries, so six fewer. We had four more yards. So comparably, we did about as good as Wake Forest on the ground. But our problem was in the passing game, and and it's Hendon Hooker. Look, yeah. I, I like to give Burmeister yeah, crap. Man. This was the worst game I've seen Hendon Hooker play by far. Yeah. Uh, he One touchdown, three picks. I know Justin Fuente said the last one was desperation. The second one was, a, was really bad, and the first one he wasn't putting on him because that was off the receiver's hands or whatever. But, All three to the same guy. <laughs> uh, I just kind of felt like the first oh, one, even though – Apologies there as I had the apparently the highlights were on uh, for the game because that's what I wanted to watch while I was looking at the box score here. Um, uh, The first one I felt like and I texted this to you too like that was a bad pass even if it's off the receiver's hands that was a bad pass because if he catches it he gets tackled and we get nothing. We get no points anyway because we don't have any timeouts in that situation. So yeah, that pass was, needed to be to the end zone if you were going to throw it or you needed to take the points. But we didn't do either one. We end up going in the locker room down seven, and then in but, the second half, we just we we never got going, and we didn't and score I, in I the think, first quarter. This team week after week looks like they're not prepared at the start of a game, and eventually that's going to come back to bite you. And what I won't tolerate is hearing how good of a football team Wake Forest is. Wake Forest isn't a good football team. No, 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 no. no, no. Here's yeah, here's your takeaway that Virginia Tech fans don't want to hear. We're not a good football team. We're yeah, an we're average football team at best. And, and we're just cap- what's what's frustrating with that is that we're capable of like you can see there's talent and you can see like good moments happen through these different games. Not so much on defense. I don't I don't know where we've been great on defense so far this season. But like we look like we can score well. I mean we we're scoring a lot of points up until this game. So like you can see the potential. It's just it's we're not consistent enough, and that's been a constant of Justin Fuente's tenure. 
I mean, Hendon Hooker had a bad game, and I think it's easier. It's easy for any football fan to look at the quarterback and make a judgment and say bad or good. But if anything else is going right in this game, we overcome what Hendon Hooker like didn't do for us. We don't mm-hmm. put him as, in bad spots. We give him. Uh, we are not fighting from behind the whole time, and we can we can take on Hendon Hooker's bad game if our defense does anything. If our, if any other aspect of our game is better than it is, we can overcome what Hendon Hooker did. Quarterbacks have bad games. That happens at every level. Hall of Fame quarterbacks, not Hall of Fame quarterbacks, they have bad games. Hendon Hooker should be allowed to not have his greatest game and then not be forced into desperation, like Fuente says, and even if we're questioning that, he shouldn't be forced in those spots when if anything else goes right in that game, if we play tougher, we're not. we can overcome. Like, Hendon Hooker wasn't just absolutely handing the ball to the other team, but well, the one it wasn't good. It the wasn't second good. interception he kind of did. I mean, that was, yeah, but that I know was the TV one, announcer's like, talking about how great Brett of a read Farr it was. win a lot of games, throwing a lot more worse interceptions yeah. than Hendon Hooker did the other, the other day. I just like, it wasn't that terrible. It wasn't good. And I, I mean, I, people are talking about quarterback changes. Did you watch the other weeks when we had a different quarterback in there? Hendon Hooker's our quarterback. Even if he's a, if not having his greatest game, we are better with him as quarterback, no matter what we're doing. So well, that's been frustrating me in a hoagie Twitter the last couple of days is we're not changing quarterback. Like, come on. Like the people who said it's time to put Burmeister back in. I mean, those are people uh, who obviously don't have brain cells uh, for two reasons. One Burmeister is not a better passer than Hinton hooker no. on his worst day. And two, it, you can't, you've already made that switch. You've already made that decision. If you yeah. go back now, all you have accomplished is wrecking both quarterbacks confidence and putting them in a situation where they feel like they can't make mistakes. If you're going yeah. to make a quarterback switch, you have to say Quincy Patterson. And I don't know if I would pick Quincy Patterson over Hendon Hooker. Yeah. I, I like Quincy Patterson I like, okay, but... I like Quincy. I like what he can bring us off the I bench. like Quincy uh, Patterson. Nice as, yeah, <laughs> I, I like him as QB2, but not, yeah, yeah, not QB1. And Change and, of pace. And, and again, it's just... <laughs> Eventually, when you have these crap recruiting classes year after year and you keep telling me hard hat mentality, hard hat mentality, we're going to get the most out of these kids. I guess I just need to see it like I, you need to prove it. We looked terrible against North Carolina. We looked terrible against Wake Forest. Uh, look, I, I just don't have time to buy coach speak and all this nonsense week after week when I can see what this team is. And this team's an average team. Under Justin Fuente, we've been an average football team more years than not. Year one, we were great. Year two, we were good. And year three, and I, I guess this is year four, or maybe year five, I can't remember. <laughs> uh, we've been, we've been eh. So yeah. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm not blown away by what Virginia Tech has managed to accomplish or, or lack thereof in this, in these seasons. And I think, you know, looking ahead at the schedule, any team that is smart already knows how to beat Virginia tech, because like I've said, you just run the ball Louisville. If they want to win that game, they're going to run the ball. Oh, Hey, Louisville's quarterbacks, a scrambling quarterback. Great. Guess who Virginia tech doesn't do well against scrambling quarterbacks. Um, I haven't seen enough of Liberty's games to know if their run game is any good. Miami can run the ball. Pitt can run the ball. Clemson, it doesn't matter what they do. They're going to kill us. UVA, uh, I don't know. That's just going to be a battle of two terrible football teams. So It's still far enough away to not really have any idea where we'll be, too. Yeah, maybe COVID will cancel the season. We won't have to play the game. We won't have to get get embarrassed two (laughs) two years in a row by incompetence 
at the highest levels of the program and then just pass it off as something that it's not, which is, oh, you know, bad games happen. Uh, that's the other thing. Like, these Virginia Tech it's fans sure. that are just like, well, you know, this these kind of things happen. Yeah, okay. I mean, to teams that don't have solid coaching, they do, I guess. But yeah, that's that's my thing. We're just not the program, I, and that's where I think I fail this podcast. Is when we lose, and it's just obvious we're not as good as we I want to be. I don't have like a lot of analysis. We're just not as good as I want to be, and I keep talking about being jealous of teams that are better than us that are obvious, like like the Clemson. Like I I don't understand how our standard shouldn't be doing getting to where Clemson is because Clemson doesn't. You know, they're not down like on the beach in California or in Miami or have the history that Alabama does. Like Clemson doesn't have anything working for it better than what Virginia Tech does. And look what they've done. So that that's what I want to do. And so I'm jealous of that. And yes, bad games happen. Look what bad games happen to Clemson. That means like Syracuse is within 17 of them. That means Alabama gives up a lot of points on defense and still finds a win. They don't lose to teams like Wake Forest ever. Like the upsets that happen to Clemson and Alabama are rarely a team that's not in their hemisphere. Like they're when they play teams as bad as Wake Forest, they just beat them by less is what the difference is. Yeah. And so that's that's the difference. And that's what I want to be. And, and you know, last year against Duke was the last time I was really – upset with what was going on. I was really mad at it. I've, I've kind of got over it a little bit because I just have to accept like what proof, whatever showed me that we weren't an inconsistent team that like, you don't know if they're going to show up every week. Nothing has shown me the difference. We had a good little run last year, but like we had already gotten killed by Duke. So like, I, I should never have thought we were different than that. And um, we aren't, it's very obvious. And it'd be nice to go on a little run here. Like, I said two weeks ago, here's some winnable games ahead of us. And I think Boston College was the hardest one. Well, we won that game and then we lose to Wake Forest. So Lord only knows what's going to happen here against Louisville and Liberty. It would be nice to pull off two wins here. But I go into the Miami game, no matter what happens between now and then, if we win them both or lose them both, which would obviously mean I have no confidence going into Miami because Miami is capable of being a, a much better team than it looks like we're capable of. I, I, I see moments of us, but Miami has shown up better than us. So I, I, oh. I'm scared of that game. And I know that UVA and rolling into UVA touch here, UVA held them tight and that was a good mm-hmm. job. And they held you Miami scoring down. And that's, that's what you want to do. Good job. UVA. I don't say that often. Good job by doing that. They still didn't win the game, but I don't have a whole lot of faith. We can do that to them because we have no defense. And I think UVA has some defense. We have no defense. So like our only hope of beating Miami is, scoring in the fifties and outscoring them. And I, uh, well, and that means you can't like take the first quarter off. Yeah. It means you can't take the yeah. first quarter off, which would be like the first time this season outside of the NC state game that we would have accomplished that. And, and I just, again, I know former players want to come on here and but I saw a tweet today, like people who've never played D one football want to come on here and armchair coach or whatever. I'm like, okay, well, I, excuse my uh, non D one experience at football, but I do have eyes and a brain and I don't have blinders on like, you know, people who have played at the program or some people who are fans of the program. And I can comprehend things without putting, you know, orange and maroon tinted glasses on it. This team sucked against Wake Forest. This team goes out and lays an egg too often. And I'm sorry, when you have mental breakdowns like Hewitt losing his mind after yeah, being ejected to make a 15-yard penalty, an already bad situation, a 30-yard penalty, yeah. And then you have Pollard, who, while I think it was a weak 15-yard penalty call, this, regardless, the play is stopped. You have Wake Forest in a fourth and super long, where their kicker's probably not going to be able to make that kick, even though apparently he is, you know, the next 
greatest kicker well, in the history of the it. league. Make him do it. Then. Apparently, he's don't, the next Justin Tucker, yeah. according to the ACC or Mass and Regional crew that we had, or whatever. Um, I wasn't listening. Uh, yeah, well, lucky you. <laughs> um, they, you shove the running back after the whistle, and then get a 15 yard penalty, give an automatic first down. And yes, we held him to a field goal later in the drive, but that's time off the clock. Maybe they get no points if they miss a super long field goal. Um, so to me, I was just like, this is on coaching. Like th- this team wasn't ready. And, no, and that's, what's aren't. frustrating I, when you, when you have like the, the Fuente hive come out and just be like, well, you know, this is, this is what happens. You know, football, football is a crazy game sometimes. I'm like, yeah, I guess it, I would just wish it was crazy in the sense that we would actually come out and look like a good football team instead of, yep. Hey, football is a crazy sport. And so sometimes Virginia tech comes out, craps their pants, on TV and then rubs their fans' faces in it and says, hey, man, and shrugs their shoulders and go, oh, well, guess what happens? And then you have too many fans that just eat it up. And then there'll be the same fans that complain and be like, well, why doesn't Virginia Tech have all these athletic donations? Uh, Because people have a limited, they have a finite amount of money, and they're not going to spend it on crap. They're not going to donate to a program that has no future when too many of its fans are like, yeah, not winning the Coastal, that's cool. It used to be just win the ACC. Now it... Now oh, it's we used to, just go to we a used bowl. We get game. tired of going to the Orange Bowl. Our fans were tired of going to. They wanted the the BCS at that time to change where the ACC automatic tie-in was the Orange Bowl because they were tired of going to the Orange Bowl. That's what I want to. That's my problem. I want to have again, but I want higher than that. I want. I, that's my. That's that's like the bad year. <laughs> I want to be contending, and I know we're so far away from that right now. And I know we're not Notre Dame that can go two years from terrible to a BCS championship game. I know we're not um, some of these other storied programs that can just cycle recruits in and do better. But like I started this thing with, Clemson did it. Why can't we? That's my standard. If that's too high for you, that's fine. That's that's where I'm at. I have to live with that kind of standard. Um, I'm the one that's mad on Saturday evening. So that's just where I'm at. I, I, I don't know. Like I said, I don't think I bring much to this podcast when Virginia Tech loses a game, they shouldn't because I, I don't have much to say other than we just aren't what we should be. And I, I, that's all I can kind of repeat. We're just disappointing. Never should lose that game. Never. And, and I'm not even like in the camp of like Justin Fuente hasn't won an ACC title in his tenure here. So he's a bum. Like Clemson has been a national playoff national championship game appearance team every single year of his tenure. I would take the honor of going to the ACC championship game and getting our Let's brains be right there, ready yeah, to go, get yeah. our brains beat in by Clemson in the ACC championship. That's fine. We're yeah. not even getting to the I ACC mean, championship. We're not even getting there. We're, we're winning the coastal his first year with again. And I, I hate to stress this because this makes all the Fuente people mad with all of Frank Beamer's players. Justin Fuente got our team to an ACC championship game. Oh, and since then, guys, yeah. yeah, since then he's managed to do the opposite. And we're barely making bowl games and fans are just like, well, you know, that's what happens sometimes. Uh, last year we should have been in, we should have won the coastal, but we lost to UVA because we weren't ready to go. Because our yeah, defense was a problem. And and I don't and, mean this. And as, we you I, and I, I touched on this, and I, I just want to say this for the podcast. Uh, we returned all these players, and that was supposed to be some great step as to why we were going to be so much better. Unfortunately, sometimes young, crappy players turn into experienced crappy players so uh, i think you just have to look at the defense at this point and stop saying covid or this or that we have a lot of people back from covid we were only missing two starters i think from covid sometimes and they they were both in the secondary they weren't on the front seven so i think 
sometimes you just have to look and call a spade a spade. Our defense is full of not very good players. And again, that's on coaching because that's who's doing the recruiting. So instead of telling me about how this, you know, uh, kid who really loves the program and buys in and all this and yeah, yeah, he comes from, you know, some small high school and wasn't very good, but he really buys into the program and works hard. Oh, well, great. I, I don't care. I, you know, whoa, whoa, there whoa, are plenty whoa, whoa, of people whoa. that work actually, hard. I don't want them. We used to do stuff with those guys. We used to take those guys and make them great players. A different coaching staff used to do a lot more with those guys. So being in general, I'm not going to just poo-poo that because of where they came from and where they were. We used to take two-star guys and make them play like four- and five-star guys. So I'm not just going to write them off that way. But this coaching staff doesn't seem to know how to do that. And they're led from the top, don't know how to do that because it's just not happening. I I, I don't know. I'm not going to just write a guy off because he didn't come from, you know, the football equivalent of DeMatha High School. I, I, I just... We're not making guys tough, and they used to be tough. Even when Beamer was not great down the stretch and when this program wasn't doing what I wanted to do, wasn't holding up to the standard of being on the doorstep of contending for a national championship, when Beamer was still here, I would say I didn't love the way things were going then, and then we had our transition. Fine, but at least we had tough guys. And we would when we lost games, we lost playing tough. And, and it seems like when we lose now to teams we shouldn't lose to, it's because we play absolutely weak. I, I I care more about that than where the, you know, we, we don't have the talent day one. I like, I don't mind making guys, turning guys into talent, but this staff isn't doing it. I haven't seen it yet. No, but I think some of that too is we're just playing better players than we used to. I think the, the rest of the ACC has kind of gotten better at recruiting and we haven't. So I think eventually you have to do better than the kid who was, you know, a one-year starter. Using UVA kid, you're using Virginia kids out to out of state is a big problem. Well, yeah. well getting a guy who's been a starter one year on his varsity team or whatever, uh, no. Get a guy who's actually good at football. Like, get me a, a few actually talented football players instead of, like, a whole string of, like, two or three-star players and be like, these guys are going to win an ACC title. Never yeah. will they ever win an ACC title. Not with this coaching staff, not with Frank. Not with anyone. So eventually you have to recruit the occasional four-star guy to come to Virginia Tech and play football. And guess what? They kind of need to have some size if they're going to play on the defensive line or linebacker. We can't have a bunch of undersized guys and go, wow, why do we keep getting blown up? on the? Why do we keep getting dominated and these teams keep running all over us? Oh, I don't know. Because we have this, one of the smallest front sevens in the ACC. And, and they're not good. So let's take these two bad qualities morph them into one unit and see how it goes. Oh, not great. Oh, who could have figured that out? I don't know. Maybe somebody with eyes. Again, I don't have D1 coaching experience. I never played a D1 program, so forgive me. Uh, But I do have eyes and I have a comprehension of how the game works. And I just know that those guys are terrible. UVA, they they had a strong showing after two losses that I didn't think was in line with what they've been doing there at UVA. They had a a solid show to Miami. It's still a loss. I'm very win or loss kind of guy when I analyze these games. Uh, they play UNC. It's another tough game for them. UNC is beatable, but I don't know if UVA has the right mixture there. We're going to find out quick <laughs> on Saturday night. Uh, again, on ACC Network, I think they played Miami at 8 o'clock on ACC Network this week. They play UNC at 8 o'clock on ACC Network uh, this coming week. And then the week after, they're going to play on the ACC Network, I believe, at 8 o'clock again. Yeah, against Louisville. So all 100% of UVA's games have been on the ACC network. Um, 
the other game that got announced today was we play Liberty on ACC Network. Uh, I, I, you know, specifically that game, I'm not going to complain about it. Just the percentage of Pittsburgh, Virginia Tech, and Virginia, the only three schools affected by the, this Xfinity, um, you know, pawn system here right. is uh, it just uh, the percentage goes higher that all those games because you know Pitt's on on that network here in two weeks as well. So, um, yeah. yeah, UVA could be looking at their fifth straight loss, and uh, but that's a rivalry. They they have a rivalry there with UNC, so we'll we'll see what happens. I'd be surprised if, if UVA wins that game, but I was surprised that score was close all Saturday night against Miami as well. So, yeah, I I kind of was impressed by this how close they were able to hang with Miami. Um, and, and like you said, we'll see. It depends on which North Carolina team shows up. If it's the North Carolina yeah. team that shows up that was walking through the first half of the Florida State game, maybe UVA can get out to a lead and then just try yeah. to hold on for dear life. Uh, if and their quarterback's back. Yeah, if it's the UVA UNC system. team that has showed up uh, against Virginia Tech and just comes out, isn't messing around. And I, I will say this, UNC, yeah. despite putting all the points they did on U- uh, Virginia Tech, their wide receivers dropped a lot of balls. So if UVA can avoid giving them, you know, third and shorts, uh, UVA's got a great chance because their receiving core, despite having some talented players, does inexplicably not catch balls sometimes. So uh, we'll see. Uh, NC State's bad, especially without their quarterback. So UNC looked a lot better this last week, and I don't know. We'll see. We made some picks again this week on Twitter. Um, any listener, feel free to get involved in that. I think we're going to try to keep that up you know, around 9 or 10 o'clock on Saturday morning. Uh, we'll have some games put out there. We'll talk about a couple here in a minute on what we'll pick this week. But looking last week, mainly looking at the games we looked because uh, we agreed on a bunch. I know I said Notre Dame would win, but it would be close. It wasn't close, so I was wrong on that aspect. But we were different on Iowa State, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State wins that game. Uh, so Leland was right. Um, any comments on that game? I, 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 I saw, I saw it a little it bit was on the I, TV because the tech game yeah. was on the laptop because the tech game yeah. was on mass. And for some reason, which that's a whole thing, we don't have to talk about that, but <sighs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Three years ago, mm-hmm. the ACC had potential games that would go unaired, like untelevised. Mm-hmm. It would be on online only. I wish the only, was untelevised. So the ACC network proof. existing is better than not having games televised. I will give it that. I don't care. We don't every game is on the TV. Again. I don't want to talk about the ACC network again. That's fine. Okay. Um, they just shouldn't stop playing games with the teams that can't get the games. But that's fine. Okay. I um, would, so I would not have Oklahoma put that State. Virginia Tech Wake Forest game on if I could have revisionist history. Um. <laughs> Okie State won. I had that right. Michigan won. I had that right. Cincinnati lost. Uh, Cincinnati lost. Minnesota so I had that was wrong. disappointing. I, yeah, Iowa State yeah, and Cincinnati Minnesota. Won. Cincinnati won. I had the game wrong. That's how yeah, I Iowa State and Minnesota were disappointing. Iowa State, I just felt like this is now two times in a row I've watched a team play Oklahoma State, and it's like the team that is playing Oklahoma State can't get out of their own way. Yeah. Like, they had, they had plays that should have been touchdowns that they're, like North Carolina, I just mentioned, they had a tight end drop two passes that I was like, oh my God, those are touchdowns. If you catch it, you stupid boob, like score Oklahoma state's not good. You have a potential to win this game, but you can't stop screwing up. Um, The Minnesota game, they started out great, but it just seems like Minnesota's maybe one of those teams. That's probably not a top 25 team, but was ranked in the top 25 uh, because they didn't know where to rate them uh, because they haven't played yet. So that team just wasn't good. I, I didn't, 
they did not look good at all. Uh, and Michigan kind of controlled that game. So with Cincinnati SMU, I swear, I, I, I mean, I, I got to pick Ron. I'm not going to like take off my pick, but mm-hmm. I think I picked, I mean, I was looking at it. I was like, eh, he'll pick Cincinnati. I'm going to pick SMU just so I have something to argue about. Cause I didn't know what other games we would disagree with. I wasn't mm-hmm. confident that you'd pick differently than any other game. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I picked SMU, you know, there was some stats out there because I I did do a touch of looking before I made picks this week, unlike last week when I picked Syracuse to beat Liberty. Uh, mm-hmm. SMU, there was reasons to like pick them in general. Cincinnati destroyed all those reasons and and won that game handedly. But uh, so I I don't know. Since he won, I watched that game though. Like I watched a quarter and a half specifically of that game where I had that on the big TV. I am watching. I just don't see what I see when I watch CBS at three 30. I, I, I don't, they're not going to put two sec teams. in. Oh no, no, no. They're not going to, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another topic we can have here because the sec is beating up on each other, but I just don't see the talent level. I don't see the quality of play. I don't see the quality of coaching. I just don't see what I see when I watched sec or even the big 10 games, even the big 10 blowouts I watched, I see better, better players. So I just think the, when it comes to crunch time and those guys in a room, guys and gals in a room have to make a decision on what teams are going to play in this college football playoff and on those New Year's Six game. Well, I mean, Cincinnati probably get a New Year's Six game, but the bigger games, I just don't see them putting them in. Even even if I think one lost teams out of the Big Ten and SEC will be ahead of an undefeated American this year again, like normal. I just I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. I think UCF that 2017 get- or whatever was their best shot. I don't see that quality of team back again this year see and, and my counterpoint would be i think smu is better than some of these the blowouts i think smu would beat minnesota so i think cincinnati's win against smu is more impressive I not than it. michigan's I well i watched minnesota and that team is a tire fire they're not good i wanted them to be good they're not they're just not i don't think michigan's good i think when michigan has to play somebody good they're gonna get killed i don't think I, i'm sorry i'm not buying michigan I want to see Ohio State play someone not named Nebraska, who, again, is a team that is just beating on the drum to play. Good for them. They signed up to get their head kicked in more weeks than not. That's not a good team. Um, they got Wisconsin this week. Wisconsin looked, looked Wisconsin's going to kill them. Well, yeah. um, but their quarterback's I, out. Wisconsin, I, I didn't know this. Wisconsin's quarterback tested positive for COVID yeah. Sunday. Mm-hmm. And now if his next test is bad, uh, he is out for 21 days, period. Like it's no, yeah. then he needs three, uh, three negative yeah. tests or anything. He's out 21 days. So that could really change what Wisconsin's doing. That's fine. That, that would knock them out that of the playoffs. So that'd be okay. Um, Oklahoma state though, is like the team from the big 12. Like that's who the Americans competing with for that fourth spot. If they go undefeated, it's uh, the, they're going to put that team in before an American team. I, I don't know how much better Oklahoma state is. Because I, I don't think that I, conference. What is I'm good. saying is, I don't think Oklahoma State's going to go undefeated. I think Oklahoma State's going to drop a game somewhere. I've just seen them probably, play. They probably. I've will. seen them play they two games will. against Tulsa and now Iowa State, and I just came away thoroughly unimpressed. And I think the first week of September, before the first game, I said, "Watch out for Oklahoma State this year," because I'd heard enough, and the guys are turning, and this and that. I'm so off that. I'm not bringing that back up. Like, yeah, I don't think they're that great. <laughs> they're yeah. So I just I think I think if Cincinnati goes undefeated, I think you'll have a Big Ten team. I think you'll have an SEC team, and I think you'll have an ACC team. And I think 
And then I think it's a battle for the fourth. No, but that's the thing. You're going to have Clemson, Ohio State, and Alabama. That's what we're going to end up having again. And two of those three teams are going to be in the national championship. It's just mm-hmm. the argument out of who gets that fourth spot to get rocked by Clemson. Okay, well, why not give me a different team? I don't need to see it be Oklahoma or Oklahoma State well, or Oklahoma. whoever. It ain't going to be Oklahoma. Well, it, they already got two losses. I don't need to see a second SEC team. I think an undefeated team. American team gets in for two loss. Big I don't need teams. to see a second SEC team or a second Big Ten team. Yeah, I don't. I think it's be hard for SE. Like Florida's gonna have to go undefeated down the stretch here. Georgia's gonna have to like beat Al. You know, they're gonna have to go. One of those two teams is gonna have to go undefeated the rest of the way to give themselves a chance. Because I, I, it's two lost SEC teams. It's gonna be hard to argue them in. Well, that's my point, and that's why I think you're saying Cincinnati's not gonna get in. I just okay. Who are we putting in? If nobody goes no. undefeated from the Big Twelve, if nobody goes undefeated from the Pac twelve, who are we putting in? I think I I look at I was looking at Wisconsin. That was my initial answer. Was like, man, they look pretty solid. Um, yeah, but if they I don't was go looking undefeated. at a team like that, a second Big to- Big Ten team no. is what I was looking at. No, I don't think so. A one loss at a Big Ten team is going to get in before an undefeated Cincinnati is what I think. I don't think so. Not unless they win the conference. If Wisconsin only loses to Ohio State, I think that's your answer. I don't think it's going to be a close game, so that's why I don't think they will get in. <sighs> I think if a, I think if Wisconsin gets killed by Ohio State, I think you say, okay, goodbye. Hello, Maybe. Cincy. Maybe hello, Marshall. Like Look at Marshall do. undefeated. Penn State lost by one to Indiana, which in the world of physical things happening, I know there's no camera showing me. I don't see how that ball crossed the plane <laughs> before the butt of that ball hit out of bounds. But there was no camera showing that. And as soon as we were in the room and we – we get it on that TV there, and as soon as we're like, wait a minute, what happened? We're watching again. Okay, what did they call on the field? What was it, like? What's happening? They called it a touchdown. They called it a score, and I said, it ain't changing. Like, you don't have the camera angle. They showed it three ways. You don't have the camera angle to change it. It was all about the call on the field on that play. And I don't think it, in the real world it actually crossed that line of playing, but you couldn't prove that it didn't. So kind of, you know, <laughs> the wild accusation, they couldn't prove it didn't happen. So it, it happened. So, yeah, um, <laughs> I was actually messaging our friend John uh, during this game. I didn't. This is when I learned he was a Penn State fan. Um, and. I I just thought for sure uh, watching that play live and he he sent the message around the same time I did because we both had the same reaction watching it live. Oh, he threw the ball at the pylon and it hit it. But then you're watching the replay, and you're like, well, he doesn't throw it. <laughs> yeah, I, it hits out of bounds. Like you, like you. I think he was short, but you didn't yeah. have enough to overturn it. No. So I loved it. I mean, I love the result. I know John's a Penn State it's fan. It's fun. That's what makes the sport fun. Yeah. the upset. And like also, it, this, this goes to a strategy that I have long preached. Uh, we saw it here, and we saw it in the NFL this week, too, with the Falcons and Lions. Sometimes as a defense, like when you just need the ball back and the score is going to keep it a one score game, you just need the ball to win because you're not going to stop them. So you let them score like that's how it's done. Yeah. Yeah, we saw it in the NFL, too, uh, yeah, because Indiana we'll, we'll let Penn State that. score. That's how they got the ball and were yeah. able to tie it. And then Pence that kickoff, though, at the end of regulation, I thought Indiana screwed <laughs> themselves with that. I was like, what are you doing? And the coach was pissed. It was just yep. like he didn't do the right thing very obviously. I was like, oh, my gosh. So looking ahead, we have the Virginia Tech at Louisville game we'll pick and the oh, UVA host and UNC game, which we'll pick. Uh, we'll probably pick the Cincinnati-Memphis game just because Memphis 
has some it's ability there. And since he's yeah. the top dog in that conference, LSU plays Auburn. Also, Indiana and Rutgers, uh, two teams that won in week one. Who's going to who's going to be two and oh on the season here? Crap, We're going to pick that game. Uh, Penn State, make, Ohio State it would be a better one. I'm trying to find some picks where we'll differ or have a chance to differ. So uh, those are some of the picks coming up this week. Like I said, if you want to get involved, please do. We will argue with you, too, on Saturday instead of just each other. Um, and we'll make some picks Saturday morning. Don't hold me to it, but around nine or ten, they'll be, you know, the Yak Sports will say what games we're picking. And then you'll see me and Joe's picks and we'll go from there. So uh, look forward to that if you want to be included. Let's run through the NFL quick uh, so we can talk some baseball after that. The game that stood out to me most yesterday, other than my Steelers beating the Titans, which I want to circle back to, was that Cardinal Seahawks game Sunday night. I don't believe you watched it, but it was a heck of a good football game. The Seahawks led the whole way, but the they could just never put the Cardinals away. Cardinals end up scoring 10 points late in that ball game to tie it up, send it to overtime. And then they used up nearly the whole overtime trying to get someone to score there because overtime shorter now. I keep forgetting that in the NFL. And uh, Seahawks miss a kick. And so then the Cardinals get the ball and they make the kick and they win. Kyler Murray made a lot of game winning plays in that game. He had some mistakes. He had some things that kept them behind. But I think it was a little bit of a coming out party for him. National audience, Sunday night football. They moved that game into Sunday night football because of COVID reasons. But either way, I think it was a big stage for Kyler Murray to look good on. I think people have been seeing this in other weeks. But doing it on Sunday night, I think he's going to start getting a lot more hype than he's been getting. I think it's deserved. I think he's really good. And I don't know if I just assume all these quarterbacks coming out of Oklahoma are that good. But Kyler Murray does seem to be for real. Uh, Yeah, I, I think he's good. Um. He's a gamer. He makes plays. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm going. He just, he's, he has that, I mean, Brendan Brett Favre up again. You just get these guys that like just find plays. And even though they'll make a mistake here, that'll hurt you and might not do this perfect. And they might not look like the classic quarterback that you're used to um, or any other quarterback in the league. Just his skill set's just a little bit different. I mean, he's a lot of, there's a lot of baseball player in him. I just like what he brings to the table and he makes big plays. And I think that's a common thread through these Oklahoma quarterbacks that have come out is that it seems like uh, they Lincoln Riley finds these guys that are gamers and make these plays to win these previous ones. I don't know about the current one. Mm-hmm. And I think he has that. I think that's what Baker Mayfield is still starting in Cleveland for. And he showed it on Sunday when he made a game winning touchdown pass. I think these guys just have this little tendency to show up big in the big moment and yeah, maybe the house is on fire because it's, they started the fire, but they find a way to put it out in the end. And, and Kyler Murray did. I was impressed with that. I, I, I was switching between that and baseball late, trying to watch kind of both. And I was I was impressed with what Kyler Murray did. I just think if if the Cardinals are ever going to win a championship or be serious championship contenders, the, the mistakes are what has to be eliminated. Yeah, but this is a third year quarterback, second year quarterback, okay. third year quarterback. Like he's coming along. Like you're seeing less of them. You know, now. rookie like two deals. Years ago, we saw a lot of mistakes. You know, rookie deals are only last for so many years, and then you have to actually pay them, and then that's when you can't afford to sign the other good players. So, oh, he's getting paid. He's going to get paid there. They're yeah, that's in him. I exactly. So then the cap problem will be a thing because you have paid actual money into your quarterback rather than a rookie deal. Uh, yeah. I mean, they have other issues on the team because Larry Fitzgerald is going to retire at some point, And like, he's still a huge player for them. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, there's roster decisions to make out there. I think they're good this year and they're part of a good NFC West. The 49ers beat up on the Patriots. 
Uh, the Monday night football game is the Rams, who I would think are going to beat the Bears, but we, I guess we'll wait and see that. But that's a good division out there. As much hype as the NFC East is getting for being terrible, the NFC West is really good. All those teams could be de- playoff deserving, and someone's going to get left out, obviously. And um, it's it's a good division out there. Actually, no, there's three wild cards now, aren't there? Yeah, there's three wild cards. So eh, I mean, it still would be unlikely because they've got to play a lot of games against each other. Yeah, they're not going to get all three. They'll get two. They could get three. They're not going to get all four. <laughs> they no, could get three. With three there's three, three teams wild the cards. The same division have made it on the old playoffs. How they can get three this That's year? That's what I said. They'll get two of the wild card spots. They won't get three. Oh, okay. You get okay two. I thought you meant two overall. I got you. No, no, no. I got you. Yep, I hear you now. Um, like I said, the Browns made a big play to beat the Bengals. Uh, the Lions beat the Falcons because the Falcons ran into the end zone too early, like Penn State did. And um, yeah, well, it, and then they were the Falcons. Was, that witching hour was amazing. Yeah, and then they were the Falcons on defense and didn't stop. Yeah, them. let like, them go right down the field. The witching hour was awesome. We already talked about that one on one, but it, I, the highlight of that, and I think for a lot of people, was the biggest game of the day. Two undefeated teams, 27-24 win by the Steelers over the Titans. They were up twenty-seven to twenty to, to twenty-seven to seven, and the Titans surged back in the second half. But Steelers held off mainly because, uh, uh, not Gronkowski, Gronkowski. Uh, he misses the kick to tie it, and so it doesn't go to overtime. I think everybody wanted to see overtime there. I was glad it didn't because the Titans were surging. Uh, but those two good teams, and if they get to see each other again in the playoffs, we'll all be in for another good game then. I mean, that's two good teams, um, I think, built in a lot of similar ways with strong defense and uh, some star players on the offense. I, maybe, I don't know. I, I'm not going to hold that. They're not built that similarly. It's not like how the Ravens and the Steelers used to be. They they're both very good teams, and it'd be fun to watch them play again. Yeah, I, I think you'll have a chance to because I think I, I think that that those are the two best. Well, they're not the two best. I think they're they two of the two three of the, best. I think they could be two of the last four. Yeah, yeah, they're two of the three best teams. Um, yeah, I would say the Ravens, Chiefs, Steelers, Titans are probably the four best in the AFC right now. Yep. Uh, and we'll see when the Steelers play the Ravens this week. I can't believe that's a one o'clock game. Yeah. They play on Thanksgiving night I, I, uh, again, I so that. I don't that know. That ruins my Thanksgiving. Um, I can't enjoy Thanksgiving those nights. I just get too <laughs> stressed out. That was Thanksgiving was also the year. We won the game, but that was the year Mike Tomlin tripped uh, our punt return. Oh, that was, Jacoby that was Jones. the year that a guy nearly died at the goal line. That was that was like that turned my stomach that night. I thought I had witnessed someone die at the goal line. Ugh. Uh, I don't remember that, but okay. Yeah, there was like a terrible hit at the at, at the goal, and it was just good. It was like tough football. I I don't know if there was a call on a helmet to helmet. It might have been right before that play. That kind of penalty was really there, but uh, yeah, it was that was an ugly one. All right, moving to the World Series. I I've enjoyed this World Series. There's been other years um, that you know neither one of my teams or no one that I feel strongly about, or there's not strong hatred like the Yankees. Uh, there's been other years where there's been two teams that I'm just kind of generally neutral on, uh, and it hasn't been as good a World Series as this. As every other game, they trade victories. Um, there's been great performances. There's been, uh, you know, not the best of plays. You know, some errors that cause things to happen and base running mistakes from both sides. Um, so it's it's been a fun World Series to watch. 
Yeah, I'm not coming off of that. I'm, you know, kind of, you know, more on the Dodger side of this rooting interest, but it's not like Tampa winning is going to upset me. So it's been fun to watch this and both teams win and both teams have the good performances. So uh, right currently on Monday night, we have a three two Dodger lead in the series. But you would think this thing's going seven games from how even this has been. Every game has been contended pretty well. Um, and there's been the crazy finishes and tight finishes, you know, people on base that or a person at the plate that could win the game when the game ends pretty much in every game. So it's it's been fun. And uh, I kind of I hope it goes seven. It'd be fun to watch it go to seven and uh, get to that high tension Wednesday night. Game seven would be great. Yeah, I hope it goes seven. Uh, game four was actually. Well, of course you do. You're pulling for Tampa. You... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I game four is kind of what drew me away from college football on Saturday, the Cincy SMU game, because like you, I was watching it at the start, and then game four kind of started to go back and forth with runs being yeah. scored each half inning, and I was like, okay, well, maybe I'll watch this. And I mean, it was like, if the Dodgers win, it's not going to, you know be the worst thing ever but i i definitely would prefer tampa to win and so like each sure. half inning when tampa would take the lead after they were hitting i was like all right this is awesome and then la would get the lead back and yeah. i'd just be like oh my god i hate baseball and <laughs> then tampa would get the lead back and then I, my fear was that game was going to go into extra innings though because i i was already getting tired and i was like okay i probably need to go to bed but i want to watch the end of this game and so when but the whole time it's hilarious so as I'm watching the game in game four, they walk a Rosarena to bring up Brett Phillips, who is in the game because yeah. of various substitutions that have happened at other points in the game. It, his career numbers are horrendous. He's up there. He watches two pitches that I don't even think are strikes. I mean, I definitely thought they were balls. Um, but now were those they were bad? Close. Were those were the, were the umpiring? calling those pitches balls. How was that against the Orioles? Was that, was that a, we would have definitely, it, was, it must be an ALEs thing uh, against small market teams <laughs> because we definitely would have had those called strikes on us too. Um, but I had just finished muttering to myself, like, this is not who I want up in this situation. Damn it. This Brett Phillips guy is such a loser. And then the next pitch is the one he hits just, <laughs> just into the outfield. And, the one I knew the one guy was scoring and I thought like, Oh, okay. They should win the game here. And then I hear Joe Buck say, a Rosarena's falling down. And I was like, well, poop. Now I'm going to have to watch extra innings. And, uh, then the, the throw comes in. Will Smith doesn't catch the ball before he starts his swipe tag because he didn't realize a Rosarena had fallen and the ball gets behind him. Uh, and then a Rosarena gets up and slides yeah. in and scores. Right. And it was a, a fantastic finish. And all this happens also because the center fielder basically booted the ball. The ball rolled up his glove. Uh, yeah. It's something similar to Nats fans' uh, experience when they played the Brewers uh, last year in the playoffs. And the Brewers outfielder inexplicably just didn't field a ground ball in the outfield. Uh, and it, it rolled up his arm. And then that allowed the Nats to win that game. Yeah. So it was it was crazy. The exclamation I sent you in text when that happened is not for repeating on on air. Yeah. Uh, but it was crazy. I mean, it was the craziest finish to a World Series game I can recall. You know, I, I don't think a home run to win a game is is as crazy because it's just that the action of it. Is good. Yeah. Like this was 
up and down within the play. Is he going to catch it? No, he didn't catch it. Okay, how many runs are going to score? Oh, another run is going to have a chance to score. Oh, it's going to score. Oh, it's not going to score. Oh, it did score. Like, it just went back and forth five times in in 10 seconds. I mean, eight seconds, probably. I don't know. Not long at all. It was really fun of a finish. And uh, I think fitting for how even these teams are, are really playing. I, I mean, either team has really had their chances to win every single game. Maybe game one was mostly L.A., but ever since then, it's just either team could win those games with one more hit. And um, it's been really fun. Yeah, I think the interesting thing to look at the rest of the way is going to be, uh, will we see the Rays offense be able to score when they need to? Um, The thing that would concern me last night if I was a Rays fan is the Dodgers seem to have moved away from Kenley Jansen. Kenley Jansen is a bit of a head case in the sense that he hasn't been great uh, his last few outings. And it seemed like the Rays just kind of got into his head. Well, they didn't go to Kenley Jansen last night when they in a save opportunity. They went to Blake Trinan, and they closed it out, got the save. Um, I, I think, you know, coming up in game six, you got Blake Snell versus Gonsolin, who's going to be more of an opener for the Dodgers. I hope that the Rays can find a way to tag them like they did the last time and win that game it's it's game seven that worries me uh you don't know who's pitching yet obviously but it's going to be kind of all hands on deck i would guess i i, I would assume anybody but blake snell would probably be available in, I think in they got, game seven they're doing they're doing um i thought they were talking about it this morning uh the pitching matchups down the stretch i well, thought they had the most matchups. on espn i'm looking at espn i don't see it posted there who do they got going Tuesday night? Snell and Gonsolin. Well, then they're going to have uh, Morton on game seven. That's the assume. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, he didn't look good. Um, yeah, but he's been good most the other way. Like, I mean, that was he didn't look great the last game out, but he's been a good pitcher. And, if, I mean, if we're going to try to throw I tell um, you Kershaw, who I wouldn't throw. Right? Kershaw's 2-0 and o now. So. Yeah. I, I would not be shocked to see Kershaw come in at the end of a game if the Dodgers are leading. Oh, I I don't want that for him. <laughs> I I think they will do that. I before they go to Kenley Jansen, I think they will do that. I think that's more yeah, likely. Um, it's a game seven. It's a game seven. I don't know. I want it for him if he blows it because I want the Rays <laughs> to win. But um, yeah, I I just I don't know. We'll see what happens. I tell you what, I wouldn't do for the Rays. I wouldn't throw Glass now. He just hasn't had it this series. Um, one. I don't think you need to see any more of that. I'm not saying he's a bad pitcher. I, I'm just saying this World Series, he has not done well. Yeah, he didn't have the greatest one game, but, you know, you, you'd hope he well, could. Well, his last outing bit. wasn't great either. I mean. Well, uh, isn't that the only World Series appearance he, he has? He pitched in game one. He's the guy who got smashed in game one. Although I don't know how much of that is his fault versus Kevin Cash leaving him in way too long. Yeah. He I think Sunday that, I mean, that's what you've seen when them do a Kershaw, too. They're getting him out of there. So, yeah. You know. I was in preparation for this show. I just wanted to like kind of I we both kind of knew what we had talked about. This the season wasn't as long as other seasons. Uh so we kind of remembered what teams we were high on before the season started and not. Um, but I listened back to our predictions. I might honestly just drop it out there. I might have already done this by the time to people are listening. Just to there's a 10 minute segment of our predictions of the season and 
it's like we we watched most of the season and then talked about it. But no, this is July 27th or something that we're talking. And uh, we both thought the Dodgers, you know, kind of had a phrase like they need to win it this year. or They're not going to win it. And you can kind of feel that pressure on them this year. And uh, we both kind of set them up that they should be really good. And I, I had the quote, I think they will live up. Uh, so we were both high on the Dodgers. You were really high on the Rays. I picked on you about being a, like pulling for the Rays. And that surprised me, which I always do. I didn't really argue with you saying the Rays should be good this year, but you really were on them. And uh, your quote that I thought was funny was that was my dark horse to save my love for baseball. That was the dramatic, uh, you know, pinnacle comment that Joe provides the podcast. Week and they week. have because they have eliminated they've, yeah. they've eliminated the Blue Jays, who I hate, the Yankees, who I hate and the Astros, <laughs> who I hate. So. They lived they up to the mantle. If they could be, look, I, I feel like asking them to be the Dodgers. The leagues, be really good. Yeah, I feel like if <laughs> they could beat the yeah, beating the Dodgers may be too tall of a task. But they've already saved my love for baseball. This World Series has been a good one to watch. We were both high on the Braves, and they mm-hmm. were in the NLCS. And that's who I said in July that I was kind of rooting for, like the legitimate team to win the World Series. That's who I was rooting for, and. Uh, by the time we got to playoffs, I was really high on San Diego because I was really high on San Diego preseason. I said they were going to be over 500, and you just completely dismissed me and told me how that was crazy, and they play in the same division as the Dodgers, and they're all their uh, other games are going to be against the good Astros, and you thought the Angels would be better than them, and you just didn't see how they were going to get enough wins to be above 500. So I was right there, but I was still still got to where I was rooting for the Braves in the NLCS. So uh, that was good. We were both high on them. Uh, we both knew the Astros would be good, both hated it. And then I was high on Oakland. That was the other one. And the Oakland was it made a good appearance to the playoffs and won a series, which they had never really done. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, we are. I guess baseball predictions is where people can trust us. We've had a good year in predictions because the last two years with Super Bowl between us, we've had some good picking. You more so the year before me last year pretty well. Champion. And yeah. then baseball, we just agree. Whatever we agreed on was definitely true. And then where one of us would take a good shot, um, we were right. And no, none of our picks were just terribly off. So um, come here first for predictions, I, I guess, is my recommendation to listeners. If you're listening to other people about predictions, like, what are you doing? Yeah, bad bad <laughs> advice to listen to other people and not us when it comes to baseball, at least. Um, and, yeah, I was wrong on the Padres and, and the A's, but you can't bet a 1,000. I, I feel good about my uh, – Yeah, I mean, but you were right. The Rays being my dark Tampa. horse. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tampa's still in it, and so that's kind of – one ups a little bit there. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, I think you texted me at one point and I do remember saying it like if the Dodgers win between 40 to 45 games, there's no way the Padres can be above 500. Yeah. Uh, and I counted on the, the Diamondbacks. Like yeah. I counted, yeah. I counted on the Diamondbacks being a little bit better and the AOS being better, which it was not. Uh, the AOS was very bad this year. Well, the Astros had a losing record and won that division. So, well, they didn't win the division, but they were the second team in from that division. Oh yeah. The A's did. The A's did. Yeah. Sorry. But yeah, well, we were right on, so I, I just wanted to brag about us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we but, did a good job. All right, let's get out of the A block, and let's just jump straight to the D block. D block time here on the Yak Sports Podcast, and I will open it up with what is dominating my life and I sent this to you directly, and I was kind of waiting to know if I needed to talk about it with the listeners. But 
Mike Greenberg, who I know you directly aren't the biggest fan of, he has a really good podcast that's out that I think if you listen to more episodes than the one that I told you to listen to, you'd enjoy it. He, this season of his podcast, he's just having really like kind of the cream of the crop people on uh, voices from sports world. And he's had uh, Vern Lundquist, Ahmad Rashad, Chris Berman, Vin Scully, Marv Albert, Mike Tirico. Those are some of the, that's the upper echelon of, of guys in the business. And um, I told you to listen when it was Vern Lundquist because he's just an all-timer guy. We both love him. And he told some great stories. But each one of his guests have had great stories. Um, it seems like Greenies had some like personal stories with each one of them that kind of draw you and that are interesting. I know if you're not a big Greenberg guy, that's fine. It's still personal stories with these people that's interesting. But then these good people go on and tell it's just a very relaxed atmosphere of a podcast. There's no doesn't seem like there's a time limit. They can go off in a tangent and and it's just perfect. So I really recommend catching up on this podcast and listening to the last couple episodes of the season for the names that I've already listed. And, and I just have faith. The ones coming up are really good. Vern Lundquist was my favorite so far, but Mike Tirico was the latest one and it was great. Um, but each one of them have been really interesting. My mom Rashad probably has surprised me the most. I mean, he is not at the top of the business where he was in the nineties now, but he's still involved. But in the nineties, he was covering basketball on NBC and to hear his story of how he got into the business, I mean, he was a football player. He's an NFL player for yeah. the Vikings. While he was still playing for the Vikings, he was working at a local TV station covering high school football and stuff and cutting his own stuff, like really doing the, you know, the grassroots of local TV and really building up his, um, his business. And so when he retired and was looking for a job, he had really set himself up to do a lot. And he said he had offers from like all the different networks. Uh, which back then is what, like three of them, but still like he had his choices. NBC was the only one that wanted him to cover more than just pro football. Everybody else just wanted him to cover football. NBC wanted him for everything because what he had done with the experiences he had, at the local station, he was able to handle that. He went on there and then he became one of the most guy, famous guys covering basketball. And he has this personal relationship with Michael Jordan and he's the inside man with the bulls at their peak. So, I, I found his story amazing. Ed Bradley was his mentor from 60 Minutes. I mean, just amazing stuff about that guy I never knew. I just thought he was the host of the inside stuff and showed me all the cool dunks on Saturday mornings. But uh, it was really interesting. So I recommend going back, listening to all that, because it's really been a good listen. I was going to say, I remember him from, uh, like, I think he had a TV show. I can't remember the network now, but it was like uh, Real TV, I think was the name of it. And it was like a before YouTube and before, you know, oh, did Tosh he host 0. one of those shows, like videos? Yeah, yeah, it would be like before huh. Tosh.0 and all that. Like you would, he would just be like these crazy videos from like TV stations or stuff that existed or home videos and be like, look at this. And you're just like, oh my gosh. Oh, I didn't even know you had a show like that. Mm-hmm. I just remember being a kid on Saturday mornings. It was inside stuff. And, um, I, that was like a appointment viewing for me when I was like in fifth and sixth grade. Like you, I just had to watch that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I want to take a look now at, uh, and take us to where all of our listeners have probably been. I know we touched on it last week, but they definitely have been missing it over the past few weeks. And, uh, let's talk soccer. So the English premier league, uh, it's a tight race this year, tighter than usual, uh, which Look, as a Liverpool fan, would I love to be uh, six matches, six wins, well above everyone and not worried? Yes. But in terms of people, like if you want to watch 
the league and have, you know, parity and an exciting finish. This year looks like it's going to be more of that. Um, Everton right now is at the top of the table with Liverpool, both at 13 points. Aston Villa has a match in hand, which means they've only played five matches and they're 12. So they have the potential to jump into the lead. Leicester and Tottenham are right there too at six matches. Leeds United, who is a team that was newly promoted, is at 10 points. So when you look at the number of teams that are within three points, which is kind of where you want to be at the top of the table through six, you go all the way down to ninth. So that's kind of a lot of parity. And the thing that is, you know, kind of cool is Liverpool's the only one from the top, I guess, Tottenham Hotspur. Those are two of the big six clubs. And those are the only two that are in the top nine. You look at Chelsea, they're 10th. Arsenal uh, is at 11th. They both have nine points. Manchester City has been looking pretty bad. They're at eight points. And Manchester United are only seven. Um, so you're looking at these teams and these these top teams. Some of them are struggling very early, which is very uncharacteristic. And it, it sets up for an exciting finish to the year. Does it probably help that Manchester City and Manchester United will eventually figure it out because they have more talent? Probably. Um, but... Uh, the fact that it's so close and Everton, who I don't remember the last time they would have won English top flight football, it would have been probably longer than Liverpool. Uh, the fact that they're at the top of the table right now, depending on how Aston Villa's next match turns out, would be pretty pretty astonishing. Okay. <laughs> I, got which, no, I got nothing to add to that. I just don't, I don't know, man. Yeah. You got it. Which I'm brings happy, me into what excited. I know that you need to know. The Champions League has started. It started last week, so you got double the soccer talk. I know that's going to make Jeff happy. Uh, but in the Liverpool match that I uh, wasn't able to watch because it wasn't on TV uh, because I refused to do the paywall for CBS, uh, but they had this thing called Golazo, which was like the red zone for soccer, which basically is just they bump around and you watch a few minutes of each soccer match. And then if something happens, like, They'll show it to you. It won't tell you what happened, and then you'll see it. They won't spoil it by putting the score up right away either. Like, they'll wait until they show it to you. That So that was kind of cool. Um, I did get to see an insane clearance from Fabinho, who is actually a midfielder that has moved to the center back position because, if you remember last week, I said Virgil van Dijk got injured when the Everton goalie uh, recklessly took him out and somehow didn't get a red card. Uh, they That... Uh, that's an ACL injury he's done for the year. So uh, had to have surgery to repair that. So Liverpool is now down a center back, one of the best in the world, if not the best in the world. So it's definitely a blow. But they had to move Fabinho back there because their other center back got hurt too. He made a goal line uh, clearance because the attacker for Ajax had chipped the ball over the goalie. And I'm going to send the video to Leland. Leland looks so disinterested right now. But if, when he sees it, he's going to be pretty impressed. And hopefully he'll share it with our listeners so they can see it. But the Ajax striker chips it over our keeper. And Fabinho goes to the goal line, is staring up, like those kind of over-the-back or over-the-shoulder looks uh, from a receiver if you're a football fan, and clears it before it goes over the goal line with his back uh, to the to the midfield and, and his face toward our own goal clears it back over his head and out of the goal to keep it nil nil at the time and then uh, Sadio Mane scores what would be the winner for Liverpool and gives them the three points in a in a big win for Liverpool at Ajax. 
awesome. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, just wait till you see the video. You'll be impressed. I mean, I like good soccer plays. I like, I, I, I don't hate, I don't hate soccer. I just can't. I, I keep trying to get into these leagues. I cut on Liverpool the other weekend morning. I just can't get into oh, it. Oh, that was an exciting match, even though it didn't turn out like I wanted to. It was exciting. I like when the USA is playing, and I know oh, they go out. Quick you know, speaking of the USA, invited, but I like that top level national soccer mm-hmm. two big clubs in europe are uh, real madrid and barcelona they play in the spanish league uh sure. for the first time ever in the history of el clasico an american played in that rivalry with sergio dest uh now barcelona got killed um but he played christian pulisic looks good the u.s men's national team i'm actually kind of excited uh for the good. world cup qualifying campaign to start because Maybe it took us not qualifying for, you know, U.S. Men's Soccer Federation to be like, or the U.S. Soccer Federation to be like, huh, maybe we should just take the best players and not only ones that agree to play in our league, the MLS. Because we've seen players go over to Europe. They've gotten a lot better. And I think that's really going to help us when we play, frankly, a bunch of uh, countries who just should not be competing with us for any reason. Uh, we have a much larger population to draw from. We have much better leagues. We have much better finances to improve those. So uh, when we're playing teams like the Dominican Republic or Jamaica or whoever, we should not be losing to those teams. We should wipe the pitch with them every time. Um, and I think now, like seeing what this, what our men's national team, how many European leagues our players are actually not only on the teams, but playing in matches and doing quite well. Uh, it gives me a lot of confidence going forward for how our men's national team will do. Good. And, and we get that. We get the next World Cup's 2022, right? So, like, this next summer, they shouldn't get interrupted. It should still just be It's actually going to be a winter World Cup, I believe. Because uh, it's... Because they're in Dubai or whatever. Yeah, it's well, like it's high. in Qatar. Yeah. yeah. And it's supposed to be, like, uh, in November. Like, Some... it's supposed to be, like, two years from right now, then, I think. Yeah, something like that. It's still going to be, going like, 100 degrees. Ooh. Yeah, it's still going to be, like, 100 degrees. Um, but, yeah, there was no shady... <laughs> anything yeah that's how it ended up in the middle east there was no backdoor deals or anything like that um, oil, oil played no role in this yeah yeah <laughs> all right my what i know that you need to know and i'm only going to go but so deep on this because i'm hoping to have uh a, a guest here soon i'm hoping to get chris lasser lined up to be on here it's been a long time coming we mentioned him in the past but he wrote a great piece on the passing of al hamilton of stanton uh, last week when right after he passed and uh, I I can't recommend the piece enough it's on newsleader Chris Laster used to write for newsleader and now he's impacting the community over at the uh, YMCA but he's still able to hop on newsleader for for good moments and this was one of them um, obviously not good that he passed but uh, to, to recognize the Im- impact that Reverend Hamilton had on the community and he's a pillar of the community he's one of those names that anybody from Stanton knows their whole life. I mean, he's just been a big piece. He was the coach of the state championship teams at Booker T. Washington. He played a huge role in the integration to Robert E. Lee High School for the Stanton community. The one I like best out of Chris Lassiter's um, piece here was um, before there was Cliff and Claire Huxtable, we had Alfonso and Kitty Hamilton. In 1984, the Cosby Show first aired, giving us Dr. Huxtable and his lawyer wife as marriage goals in the African-American community. 
Growing up in Stanton, we had a different picture, an even better picture, because it was real. I think that is just like kind of an ultimate high praise and very accurate uh, statement from what I know. And and I know uh, his impact affects me differently than kids growing up in Stanton and um, in the black community in Stanton. I, I'm not going to try to paint that in a different picture than it is, but I respect the impact he's always had because he's always been um, a very solid character in Stanton and has impact all over the community, not just with the African-American community, across all um, people in Stanton. He had a huge impact, but just for him to be that level of impact everywhere, but then also really, really take care of his own community at the same time. uh, You just can't say enough about him. And that's why I want to try to get Chris Lasseter actually on here now to uh, give that a better, um, better words than what I'm providing it. And also talk about you know, the impact Chris Lasseter has on the community. So I, that's something to look forward to. I, I just need to get it lined up now. Um, he was on my list back last uh, February when we were doing Little League basketball at the YMCA, which he was always around for. Um, and then COVID hit, and I never really got back to him. Um, and so uh, we will be talking to him. I think I talked about Chris previously back in into May and June when this all the civil rights stuff was um, coming back into the forefront of our uh, view here and uh, the great impact Chris Lasseter was having then. So uh, it just kind of all goes together. So um, so high praise to um, Reverend Hamilton and uh, big loss for the community. Um, but the big loss only really shines light on the big impact that he's always had. And uh, so I just want to point everybody to that article on newsletter. I'll make sure I retweet that this week. I, I looking back, I can't believe I didn't already retweet it, but I will. Um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, a big loss, but um, so fortunate to have him in this community. So, Well, we hope you enjoyed this recording of the Yak Sports Podcast. Again, we will be back next week. And to make sure that you don't miss any episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod, Facebook Yak Sports Pod, or you can email us yaksportspod at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Make sure you're telling your friends. Again, once high school sports start getting uh, back into gear, uh, hopefully they will, uh, then we'll be talking about those. And again, you can just stay in touch with us uh, via Twitter, Facebook, or email. We want to hear from you. Uh, if you if you don't like the uh takes on our college football takes here let us know uh, if you agree with us let us know if you have a slight variation or you just want us to hear what you think about these things reach out if you out, want to tell me know. i'm right and joe's wrong i'm very comfortable with that yeah by any listen. i mean you're yeah. gonna be wrong but that's fine you're allowed to <laughs> this is america so um just be sure to tell us again on twitter yak sports pod facebook we are on there yak sports pod or gmail yaksportspod at gmail.com. And until next week, folks, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast, and we'll talk to you more next week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.